Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, editor of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Charles Johnson, president of the International Safety Equipment Association, about the dangers of hearing damage in the workplace. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Charles Johnson, president of the International Safety Equipment Association. Uh, we're going to talk about hearing damage in the workplace. Welcome, Charles. Oh, thank you very much, and it's nice, and thanks for having me here today. No problem. Um, I was wondering if we could start off uh, by having you tell me a little bit about yourself and the ISEA. Sure. My name is Charles Johnson. I'm the president and CEO of the International Safety Equipment Association. Uh, ISEA is the trade association for the manufacturers and distributors of safety equipment. So our member companies make the products that keep people safe, usually in the workplace, although also at home. So we represent companies that make hard hats, high visibility vests, hearing protection, respirators, and other items. We very often get involved with efforts to keep people safe and to advance the efforts of occupational safety. Well, I was wondering if you could um, talk a little bit then about sort of the problem of hearing damage in the workplace. How serious is it? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, we focus on hearing loss because, first of all, it's really a problem that is under-recognized by the general public. Uh, hearing loss affects 22 million workers every year in the United States. 22 million people are exposed to hazardous noise in the workforce, and that's according to the federal government. So it's a big problem. Uh, it's a problem, too, because it affects people over time. And so in the workplace, you have a lot of people who are exposed to hearing hazards for years. And throughout that time, their hearing is eroding. And then one day they wake up and realize that they have recordable, measurable hearing loss and you just can't get it back. Um, do you feel employers are taking hearing protection seriously enough? Well, we actually do think that, his, that employers are taking hearing loss very seriously but there are many, many different approaches to hearing hazards and hearing loss. In the United States, the regulatory framework actually does not classify hearing loss the same way the rest of the world does, and we're actually a bit more lax in the United States. So even if employers are doing everything that they know to do and they believe they should be doing, they might not be doing enough to, to protect their employees. Uh, and, and you've got personal experience with this, correct? I absolutely do. This issue is very close to my heart. Uh, I recognized when I was in my early 30s that I had suffered uh, a, a pretty large amount of hearing loss. I was actually in an occupational setting uh, when I realized I couldn't hear people. And uh, I've been wearing hearing aids since I was about 32 years old. And we traced my hearing loss back to noise exposures that I, would, that I suffered uh, in my teens. And so this is something that I really believe passionately that we need to do more about and to address. What are some things that the industry can do to, to kind of, um, or I guess the various industries can do to, to sort of uh, improve hearing protection for workers? Uh, there's a lot. First of all, measure and know your hazards. It's really individuals and employers don't always know uh, when noise levels are in hazardous ranges. For instance, carpenters are, are da daily exposed to noises in the 85 to 107 uh, decibel area. That's, that's above permissible levels. Uh, farmers as well are daily exposed to 85 to 90 dBA. And so 
it's not it's not the operator of a jackhammer. It is, obviously, but that person is probably well aware that they are in a hazardous situation and they're wearing hearing protection. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of other people that need to that need to take this seriously and think about measuring the noise levels in their workplace. So that's the next thing that an employer can do is provide the tools necessary to measure uh, noise levels. And fortunately, in this day and age, there are simple apps that you can put on your phone and you can hold your phone up and you can measure the noise that you're being exposed to and you can tell whether or not you're in a hazardous situation. So the the days are over when you had to call a safety professional to measure noise exposure. You can literally do it with your iPhone. And then finally, employers can provide protection. So hearing protection comes in many, many shapes and forms. Uh, Certainly noise should be controlled and and OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Agency, will tell you that that you should engineer away hazards or remove people from hazards before resorting to personal protective equipment. But when you can't get away from those hazardous situations, you should know that there are hearing, uh, there are earplugs, there's over-the-ear hearing protection, there's myriad solutions that can be used to protect you in the workplace. So providing that protection, once all other avenues for controlling noise uh, have been exhausted, is absolutely an option for the employer. Um, do you feel the like, workers themselves kind of don't take it seriously enough, maybe until it's too late? Well, yes. And, and it's not, as I said before, uh, hearing exposure to uh, to hazardous levels of noise happens in the workplace because we spend the predominant hours of our week there, but it also happens at home and it happens in places where people really aren't aware. Your hairdryer probably exposes you to hazardous levels of noise. Certainly your lawnmower does, a leaf blower. Uh, so we already know that in our daily lives, we are exposed to many sources of hazardous uh, levels of noise that is affecting our hearing. And over time, uh, that exposure will lead to hearing loss. So be- because this hazard is so ubiquitous, because we all are exposed to it, we under account for the risk. Hmm. Now, that, that's something that our my association, we're actually addressing that. We've, uh, we've done campaigns for stadium noise, for instance. Uh, and, and it's not always a message people want to hear. But at least in the workplace, we have a controllable environment uh, and we can we can take measurable steps towards protecting people from hazardous levels of noise. So what do you say to young workers who don't protect their hearing or, or maybe think it's nothing to be you know worried about? Oh, I would say many things. I would say now is the time. Now is the time to be controlling your level of noise exposure because later will be too late. Once you have suffered from hearing loss, it is irreversible. You cannot get it back. There's nothing you can do about it at that point other than uh, prosthetics uh, and, and managing the loss that, has, that you have incurred. And it will happen in your 20s and 30s and affect you in your 30s, 40s, and 50s and for the rest of your life. I would also say that don't under-account for the impact of hearing loss. Yes, I I live with this every day. 
Mm -hmm. uh, but it's important to note that hearing loss affects much more than just your ability to hear the person next to you. Uh, hearing loss affects your effectiveness uh, in, in your daily life, your ability to qualify for jobs in the future. There's also easily, you, obviously, there's difficulty in commuting, communicating on your job and with coworkers. But there are safety problems that you will run into in your life, the inability to hear smoke alarms or, or detectors or traffic. Mm -hmm. um, and it also affects your high blood pressure, your chronic fatigue, cardiovascular and gastrointestinal problems. Across the board, hearing loss has, has diverse impacts on your health. And everyone who underestimates this risk needs to know that. Um. Do you feel the, the federal government is doing enough to uh, ensure hearing protection? Well, actually, my association and my members are encouraging the federal government to revise federal uh, noise exposure standards so that they would be in line with much of the rest of the, of the world. Uh, right now, the U.S. has a more lax standard uh, than almost any other country. Uh, the, the more stringent standard, without getting into the technical de de details, is called the 85-3 standard. And our 85-3 campaign is encouraging OSHA to revise that standard downward, to bring it in line uh, with the rest of the world. What's the rest of the world doing um, in this? Well, the 85-3, 85 decibels, and it's, it's a complicated standard that has to do with the time, the duration that you're exposed. Oh, okay. I think the important thing to remember is that 85 decibels is defined as the highest level of sound you can be exposed to before considering it hazardous. And right now in the U.S., the, uh, we are our current standard is above that level. Um, are we also? I mean, you mentioned sort of uh, the damage that that we kind of do to our ears away from the job. Um, we've got a whole generation or two of kids who, you know, basically are on headphones all the time, um, you know, listening to music or whatever um, at loud volumes. Is that, you know, also contributing to, you know, uh, deficits before you even get into the workplace? It absolutely does. And uh, personal, personal hearing devices, devices that are, directly connected to your ears, either in or on your ears, are a huge hazard. And fortunately, I think at least some content provi providers are recognizing that. There are some warnings now and some, uh, and some technological advances that can help limit uh, your exposure to damaging levels of sound from those devices. And uh, use, regular users of those devices should be thinking about and measuring the levels at which they're using those. They should read the literature, which usually on average tells users uh, to not listen at volumes above six on a standard dial, although standard dials are getting harder to come by because mm -hmm. of the devices that we use. So yes, those are a huge exposure uh, area. And, and while technology is people are doing a better job of understanding it, there's still a lot more we can do. Um. Getting back to the workplace, what uh, you know, what do you hope will happen over the next five to ten years in, in regards to um, you know hearing protection and, and regulation and things like that? Well, first, I hope that our regulations are revised and modernized, and and we'll continue to push for that. I think there's a lot of goodwill in the federal government, and people understand that this is something that needs to be addressed, uh, but it may take time. Uh, I I hope that. Uh, 
the federal government, OSHA, and NIOSH, the National Occupational Institute for Safety of Health, uh, will continue to educate employers so that they quantify their hazards and then address them. Uh, I hope that technology to address noise hazards in the workplace advances and that we reduce noise in the aggregate and that we remove workers from the hazard. And then finally, if we can't do those things, that we protect those workers. And the way, the only way to do that is to know that the hazard is there. So the first step is knowing. Uh, and then after that, the rest can follow. Um, and I guess, like you know, are you seeing, are there any efforts sort of being done with, you know, kids to even to educate them about this? Because, I mean, I know you, you were talking about sort of, you know, placing limits on, on how loud th devices can get. But, you know, clearly, uh, you know, when you're a kid and I'm sure, you know, you were the same as me, you know, you didn't care about that stuff. You just wanted to blast it as loud as you could. So, you know, are there other efforts to get through to them? That, that's a great question. And, and while there are efforts to get through to them, I would be, a, I'm a huge advocate uh, and, and exhibit A uh, for, for why that needs to be done. Uh, getting people early and, and educating people early on what these hazards are, because I think it's important to recognize that we will never control all of these uh, hazardous levels of noise. It's impossible because they exist in the natural world, certainly not a leaf blower. Uh, but, but other sounds will always be out there and, and understanding that in our long lives, the aggregate impact of those noises will lessen our ability to hear is something that we should be telling people early so that they can make the right choices. I would liken it to sun exposure. And uh, I can tell you that I'm without naming my age. I can tell you that I'm old enough to remember when we didn't take sun exposure that seriously. But the world has changed. And younger generations are doing a much better job of, of controlling their exposure to the sun and not baking in the sun as my generation did. Yeah, people used to put and baby so we can, oil on, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, that's, you know, we, that's a perfect example that tells us we can do better yeah. and we will do better. And so I hope that in future generations, they take the same types of steps that, that these generations have now taken for sun exposure and that we apply those lessons in the same way to noise exposure. Because it's really kind of an insidious thing. Like you don't necessarily, like you, I think you mentioned earlier, you know, you kind of don't realize it's a problem until you've already done some serious damage to yourself. Yes, not only is it not recognized as a problem, in many venues it's considered, it, it is the feature, not the glitch. And I, I mm -hmm. again, without dating myself, I enjoyed a lot of Jones and the Blackhearts in the stadium <laughs> yeah. uh, at, at unsafe levels of sound. And that is still occurring today. Or even like, uh, you know, car uh, stereo systems. Like, you know, you you can feel a car's, some, some car's stereos you know, <laughs> a mile before they get to you because they're thumping so loud with the bass. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely. You're absolutely right. You know, that's a, you are absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, I guess, things that, you know, obviously there's a lot of things we can't control, but there are a lot of things we can as well. Uh, that's absolutely true. And, and, you know, there is a huge difference between unintentional exposure to noise and intentional exposure to unsafe levels of sound. And, uh, and that's a big Pandora's box to open. Uh, and whether or not we can regulate intentional sound exposure, uh, that's not something we do today. 
Um, and, and that's not something my association has taken a position on. I can tell you, I have a personal, <laughs> a right. personal opinion about that, but, but it is an important point you've made. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you mentioned sort of some of the industries where you're, you know, exposed to loud, to seriously loud, uh, noise. Those are the ones who actually prepare you pretty well with, you know, serious, you know, over the ear, uh, you know, ear, you know, hearing protection and stuff. It's the ones that, you know, I think you mentioned, you know, like carpentry, but some other ones where you don't necessarily feel like it's that loud, but it kind of gets to you sort of gradually. Right. That is, that is correct. Uh, acute, uh, unsafe noise exposure is something that is well on, is much better understood and addressed. Mm. It's really many of the exposures at the borderline that uh that can be the most insidious because even just a little bit over the safe level for long amounts of time is as detrimental to your health as a short-term acute exposure so for instance and i think this would come as a surprise to many the average music teacher in the united states is exposed to unsafe levels of noise at around 91 decibels mm -hmm. well and that's for but if that's for an eight-hour day then music teachers are all being exposed to unsafe levels of noise and something should be done about that. But that's a pretty hard one to get at, don't you think? Because a, a music teacher is, is, is in that intentional sound level category, but it is absolutely something we should recognize and do something about it because our music teachers deserve to hear in their latter years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even like a, or a, a dental office where you've got drills and, you know, maybe not all the time, but, you know, a significant amount of time there's, you know, loud equipment, but they're not wearing any kind of ear, you know, hearing protection. That is correct. And that one hits really close to home because in my younger days, my father was a dentist and some of the noise exposure that I was exposed to in my teens and twenties was in working in my dad's uh, uh, dental office. And yes, there are several exposures in a dental office that are both at unsafe levels and they're monotonic. They actually, uh, they are, it's a sustained single sound and it whittles away on that exact frequency and your ability to hear it. Um, so I guess ultimately the takeaway is, you know, it's hard to control everything, but, you know, getting, getting the message out there is, is important to, that hopefully people can take care of themselves. Absolutely. I'd like to mention, uh, as part of our campaign, we launched a, uh, a, a, website at listen today to hear, for the campaign listen today to hear tomorrow it's hearing at work dot org mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you go to the website and you can download a dosimeter that way you can put on your phone and you can start measuring your hazards uh, it, all around you and once you know more you can do more yeah that's well, good uh, great advice well Charles I want to thank you so much for joining me today this has been uh, very educational well, thank you very much for having me, and, and I hope you go to our website and download that, that device as well. And thank you very much. All right, thanks. That wraps up episode 89 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen on demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. Mm -hmm.